This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, varsity writer Drake Keeler. Drake, hello. Welcome back. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I am good. Um, still trying to process what happened last week. I wrote in my column that my brain was broken after that game, which I really think that it was. <laughs> we will obviously talk about that um, in a little bit. I have you on. We're going to talk a little general college football, just some happy stuff before we yeah. get to the insanity that is Nebraska football right now. Um, figured it, I figured playoff talk. Uh, there are some marquee games on the ledger this weekend. I feel that'll be a good palate cleanser, um, preemptive palate cleanser, I should say, before we get to talking about, you know, punt returns and offensive linemen losing jobs and lack of running game and jaw right. surgeries and, and all that fun stuff. All right. First, though, um, our sponsor for the week, Teammates. Teammates is a school-based mentoring program. Mentors and mentees meet in school once a week, and they build a friendship. This is one of those things that before I left Nebraska and before COVID happened, uh, I talked to, to Dr. Tom Osborne, who is a big part of teammates. It's one of his babies. And he convinced me I wanted to get involved, and then COVID happened and everything else. Uh, in a recent survey, almost 90% of mentees say they are proud to be in teammates, and I would imagine that almost every mentor would say the same thing. Teammates serves all kids, any kid in grades 3 through 12, can be a mentee. Mentors are safe, caring adults. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to be there. And really, nine times out of 10, that's all a kid needs. They just need you to be there, listen to them, maybe play with a Marvel toy, maybe play with Iron Man, just hang out with them, talk to them about what's going on in their life. Sometimes that's all it takes. You don't have to be an expert. Through the pandemic, we have thousands of kids who've had to wait a year or two for a mentor. So don't make them wait any longer. To apply, go to teammates.org. T-E-A-M-M-A-T-E-S dot org. And a couple more housekeeping points before we get started. Make sure you subscribe to Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. You get all the info that you need. You get premium stories from people like Drake and from the rest of the Hail Varsity team. You get a magazine. And you get all the great Hail Varsity coverage. Go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe to find that. Also, while you're at it, click on the network tab. And make sure that you are following, listening to, subscribed to, have leaved, have leaved, have left. <laughs> I told you my brain was broken. Have left a review on all of the Hill Varsity podcast offerings that we have. We're a proud part of the Herd App Media Network. Shouts to Cam for producing this podcast every week. Brandon Vogel has his own podcast, the I-80 Preview Podcast. That one this week is previewing this week's Northwestern game. So make sure you head over and listen to that if you want in-depth breakdown on what to expect Saturday. We're not going to do much of that here. I'll just direct you to Brandon's. Craig Smith has the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Go listen to that. 
Jacob Padilla is with Damon Benning on the Nebraska Preps postgame show. Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin also have the Mind Your Own podcast. So lots of stuff, lots of different topics each week. we got a nice mix of stuff. You can get your Nebraska fix. You can get sports, college football. Sometimes there's NBA talk. Sometimes there's NFL talk. Sometimes there's stuff beyond sports on uh, Aaron's podcast. Nice, nice mix. Something for every day. Something for every mood. So make sure you are subscribed to everything and obviously to this podcast. Drake. Yes. If you had to, who would you pick to make the college football playoff right now? Four teams. Let me give you the top 10 first, just so that just so that you know what you're working with, the field you're working with, and so that our listeners kind of know what, what the field is. This is the AP Top 25 poll. Alabama's number one at 4-0. Best win so far this season, a 31-29 victory over Florida. That might be the best win in college football this season. Georgia's number two at 4-0. Best win, 10-3 over Clemson to start the year. Oregon's number three at 4-0. Best win, 35-28 over Ohio State. That was a fun game. Penn State is number four. They're also 4-0. The, the next few teams are 4-0. Just assume until I get to Florida at the end, these teams are unbeaten. Penn State, best win, 28-20 over Auburn. They've also got a 16-10 win over Wisconsin, but I think Wisconsin is poopy, and we can talk about that later. Iowa, best win, 27-17 over Iowa State. Oklahoma, um, they are six with the best. Maybe I guess Nebraska's the best win. I don't know. They've not played great teams so far. Um, Cincinnati, best win, 38-24 over Indiana. They got Notre Dame this week. I want to talk, talk to you about that game. That game's going to be interesting. Arkansas is number eight, 40-21 over Texas is their best win so far. They also beat Texas A&M, but that was uh, without Texas A&M starting quarterback, so I guess give an asterisk there. Notre Dame is number nine, 41-13 over Wisconsin was their best win. And then Florida, number 10, they are three and one. Their one loss is to Alabama. And I have in my notes that their best win was a 29-31 loss to Alabama. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't think I can give an order for the top four, but I will say I think I think Alabama is going to make it. That's the easy one. Um, I'll get two SEC teams. Uh, Georgia's in there. Uh, that's one and two. Nothing surprising. But um, past that, it's really hard to judge just given how much has happened in college football this year. Um, but I think – I think I think Notre Dame will sneak in there. Um, their their overtime win to Florida State doesn't look that great in hindsight, but um, and it's hard to say given they have a matchup with Cincinnati this weekend that could just ruin that already. But um, I'll, I'll put them in there. And past that, um, I was thinking Oregon, but I, I just don't know. And then I don't have any trust in any Big Ten teams. I don't I don't think three SEC teams will make it. Um, but I guess I'll stick with Oregon for that spot. Okay. So I think if, if Arkansas runs the table, yeah, that's, that's like the only way that they'll get at number eight right now, they're four and I still have yet to believe in Arkansas. They play Georgia this week. That'll be a big test for them. If they run the table, then they're handing Georgia a loss and they're handing Alabama a loss. Mm -hmm. So if that happens, Arkansas gets in and then one of the Alabama Georgia teams doesn't, I don't think there's going to be a situation where there are three sec teams. Maybe, maybe there could be, I don't know. Oklahoma doesn't look great. And um, like we were talking about this before we got on the podcast, like Iowa at four and O 
they might win the West, but I don't know if they have the pizzazz or the flash or frankly, the offense that the college football playoff is going to um, look at and say, yeah, these guys are a playoff team. They've been super opportunistic defensively. Maybe there's a little bit of luck there, um, but we'll see. They're 4-0. I guess if they get to the Big Ten championship and they've only got one loss or, or maybe they're undefeated at that point, then um, you know we'll, we'll have a different discussion. Penn State, Penn State has a 16-10 win over Wisconsin, which I said I think Wisconsin is uh, remarkably overrated. I, people had them winning the West to start the season. I never saw that. Not, not that I thought that Graham Mertz was going to be bad, Right. But I did have questions about their offense and those questions remain and Graham Mertz has been bad. So we'll, we'll see about Wisconsin, but Penn state's got that. And they've got the win over Auburn and Sean Clifford looked awesome in the win over Auburn. But I, I still feel like if, if you're like going with Sean Clifford, I, it just seems like a dangerous way to live. Um, I would pick Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Cincinnati as my four Fair choice. Yeah. So like Cincinnati, Best win 38-24 over Indiana. This weekend when they play Notre Dame is going to tell you a lot about Cincinnati. But I kind of feel like Luke Fickle has a power five team stylistically that just happens to play in the American Conference. But them having Indiana and Notre Dame on the schedule was big for them. I don't necessarily think that Indiana being terrible over the course of the season is going to prevent them from making the playoff if they have a win over Notre Dame. Uh, because it's still a it's still a tough game, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they played that in Indiana. They played that on the road, I think. Um, and then Oklahoma, Oklahoma's 27 and four after the Red River game under Lincoln Riley. So they've been notoriously slow starting, and then right. they kind of pick up and 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 get rolling over the last half of the season. So if they beat Texas in the Red River, which I think they will, I think they're the better team. Then. I, I still think Oklahoma makes it. Maybe they're not the number one seed like I predicted they would be in the preseason, but I still think Oklahoma makes it in. Um, and Cincinnati will give us our first group of five team to make it in the playoff. That'd be great. Yeah. I hope that would be fun. Do you, do you like Florida right now? I like Florida. I, I, I didn't pick them to make the playoff just cause I don't think they'll like, I think they'll have another loss or two. Um, I don't know what their schedule is, but. Still, I, I just don't – they would have to – it would have to be like a three SEC team scenario probably unless Georgia and Arkansas just fall apart. Well, um, we've got to play Georgia. So that will be the big one, the, uh, sure. the largest outdoor cocktail party. They've got to win that game. Absolutely. But, like, you look at that, that Alabama-Florida game might be the best game of the season so far, honestly. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Um, they can definitely beat Georgia for sure. I can see it. And in that case, they'd probably jump on me out. So they're, so they're interesting. Games this weekend, which one are you most excited about? Alabama Ole Miss, number one versus number 12. Georgia versus Arkansas, number two versus number eight. Cincinnati versus Notre Dame, number seven versus number nine. And then I'll throw number 14, Michigan against Wisconsin in there. Which one are you most excited about? Um, I'll say, I'll say Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Um, I, I also, I didn't pick them, but I would, I would love to see, um, Cincinnati make it as a group of five team. And I think that'll show some clarity to as if it's possible. I think that they, if Cincinnati wins, it definitely will be. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in that one. I can't wait to see what Lane Kiffin has for Alabama. 
right. game is going to be so fun. I think the over under is set at like 79. And I think people are confidently picking the over. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get 80. I don't know if we'll get a 40, 40 game, but like that, that game feels like it's going to be so much fun because Nick Saban is not the, uh, you know, nine, six win over LSU defensive coach that he used to be. He's got a fun offense. He's a quarterback whisperer. Now as Peyton Manning called him on the Manning cast the other night. And then obviously Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, like Matt Corral might be the best quarterback in the country in terms of right. where we, the way he's playing right now. Yes. Um, that game will be super fun. I can't wait for that game. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, we have Nebraska Northwestern. Yes, we do. <laughs> Battle for the right to call yourself the one true NU. Um, and this game falls at just a just a perfect, juicy, wonderful spot on the calendar because of the way Nebraska has lost its last two games against Oklahoma on the road against Michigan State on the road. What is the one thing, Drake, that everyone says about Pat Fitzgerald coached Northwestern teams? There's one thing that everyone always says about this team. Do you know what it is? Um, I mean, they have good defense. Is that what you're looking for? Or That is true, but that's not what I was looking for. They don't beat themselves. Okay, yeah, discipline, yes. Yeah, they don't beat themselves. This is uh, – they're, they're really – they fare really well um, in terms of penalties each year and Fitz teams just play disciplined. They just play sound fundamental football and they don't always have incredible talent, but we saw them in the game against Ohio state in the big, in the big 10 championship game last year at halftime, because that sort of discipline can be in certain instances, an equalizer on a football Saturday. Right. Um, so Nebraska gets this Northwestern team that is not very good, I've got them at the bottom of my Big Ten power rankings. I don't think they're they're, – they're certainly a, a step back from the teams that Fitz has had over the last three or four seasons, three seasons. They were really bad four seasons ago, I think. Um, and Nebraska has looked decent, good at times. Yeah. And can't seem to get out of their own way. So this game falls at, at really like – a perfect spot on the calendar for for them to show. Yeah. I mean, we continue to believe in ourselves. We continue to think we can turn these things around. And that becomes the big question. Can they actually fix the things that have been problematic over the course of this season, over the course of Frost's tenure that cropped up again against Michigan state? Right. So where I want to start with you, were you surprised to see the Michigan state game and the way that it did? Uh, yes yes I wasn't surprised in the sense that it's like very Nebraska for a game to end that way but um you know you can't not be surprised when a game turns with the easy punt return touchdown and then interception right away in overtime yes yeah it was one of those things where I I think I think I said this early in the fourth quarter uh on slack I said, this game is going to end in absolute heartbreak. Right. It just had that feel. And like, it did feel that way. Yes. 50% of Nebraska games right now have that feel. <laughs> 60%, 70%, something at, at, a lot higher than it should be. Um, yeah. It just had that feel. And then we get to the seven minute mark. And I went back and watched the other day from seven minutes on. Nebraska scores the walk in touchdown to go up 20 to 13. Yeah. 
Defense gets a, th- a three and out. It was their fourth straight three and out. Nebraska gets the ball back. They go three and out. Then there's the punt with under four minutes left. Absolute disaster. Yeah. It's now 20 to 20. Nebraska goes three and out again. And the defense is on the field. Three and out. Yeah. Michigan State had 14 yards on 15 plays in the second half. And then Nebraska goes, there was under a minute on the clock. Not a ton of time. Certainly if, if certainly so if you're not confident in your offense's ability to protect your quarterback if he needs to right. go on a long drive. And Nebraska chooses to sit on two timeouts to go into the fourth quarter. And then missed touchdown throw on the first play of overtime. Levi Falk was wide open in the end zone. Adrian couldn't get to him because of protection issues. Right. Second down throw to Omar Manning. Third down interception. Michigan State takes over. One play. <laughs> Kenneth Walker nearly has as many yards as he'd had to that point in the entire game on that first down play. And then they set up a field goal to win 23-20. So, like, you go back through and you look at this, and, and the punt was huge and catastrophic and, and just really no good, very bad play. But it was just, again, it was a series of mistakes from Nebraska that culminated in a loss. And I think the area that everyone has focused on, and rightfully so, is special teams because of what happened with the punt. Nebraska's special teams, um, somebody put out a, a stat earlier this week that in terms of, of expected points added, Nebraska's special teams has, has cost the team 38 points, which is the most of any, the worst of, of any team in, in college football, which is remarkable that that continues to be the case. But the area that I want to talk to you about, Drake, is the offensive line. We've seen through four weeks, Nebraska's offensive line has had moments of success and lots of moments where you're just left scratching your head. Are you scratching your head with this group? Are you, are you like, okay, we just need to change personnel. We need to change coach. Where are you at with the offensive line right now? Yeah. I mean, you can't not scratch your head right now and I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, you've got to try something um, as far as switching personnel, things like that, but back to back false starts in two straight weeks um, is, is insane. Um, Just, Adrian getting no protection. Thankfully, you know, he's kind of made up for it by the fact that it's it's it seemed impossible to sack him at times. Obviously, he has been sacked, but um, it's very hard to get him to the ground. It has been. Um, but, I mean, it's it's really bad, and it's this team will be doing a lot better right now if the offensive line was, you know, more competent than it has been. So I retweeted this onto people's timelines. Uh, at Stephen with a V S T E V E N P L A I. It's a chart offensive line play through four weeks among all power five teams in terms of allowed pressure rate. There's only one team in the country that is allowing a pressure rate above 8%. That is Nebraska. Yeah. Above 8% on pass plays. It's remarkable how often Adrian Martinez has pressure. And sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's, you know, I was watching a couple of plays in the, the last seven minutes and the left tackle is just destroyed right away, right from the snap of the football. And Frost said on Monday that they need to find a left guard and they need better play at right tackle. Well, they also need to find a 
better play at left tackle. Yeah. And they need to find better play at right guard. <laughs> like they're Cam Jurgens has probably been the most consistent player and he's not been great. They've had yeah. issues at every single spot. Like, what, like, do you just, do you just completely change over the line at this point? Like I, the talk was, well, maybe you slide Brant Banks to left guard, or maybe you slide Bryce Benhart to right guard. The, the, the issue that Greg Austin was talking about in the spring with Brant Banks playing left guard or just guard in general was that he's too tall and too long. And when you start to put that kind of a player into the box that is guard, you start to have hip mobility questions. Can he move the way he needs to? So if that's the case with Brant Banks, why would you do it now? And why would you do the same thing with Bryce Benhart, who's already not playing well? I just don't know what they do. Yeah. Like what do, like what do you do at this point? I have no idea either. And um they I mean they talked about in the offseason how they've been moving guys around on the offensive line, they've been subbing guys in. So I mean I you have to think they're going to try, you know, a variety of combinations to try to see if something works and at this point what else can you do? If you have Brock Bando back, maybe maybe you put Bando in and see what happens. I think it's time to put Nori Newilly in there and see what happens. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, like, I think you just need to start moving pieces on the offensive line. It's just trying to figure out because Greg Austin has talked a ton about, we just need to find the five best guys and get them on the field. You, you, you need to do that right now. Cause the five guys that are playing yeah. right now are not the five. Maybe, maybe they are, but we need to find out if they're you the five not. best guys yeah. because it, yeah, but exactly. You hope not because right now, if those are the five best guys you have, and this was Brandon's column after the Michigan State game, you're not going very far. Right. Um, here's a quote from Scott Frost from, uh, from Thursday. I like the competition. I really like the pad level the guys played with. They really paid attention to that, and seeing them come off the ball with low pads seemed to make a pretty big difference. He said, I think there will be a lot of options come Saturday. Um, we'll have a lot of options, and I expect a lot of guys to play. Maybe Teddy Perhoshka gets in there. Like I said, Nori Nwili and Brant Banks. But at this point, you know, like you're playing the most veteran guys that you have. Right. So if you're going younger, then theoretically, you're still going to be inconsistent and you're still going to have issues. We're kind of in danger zone with this offensive line, would you say? Yes, definitely. So they're at 21 and a half points per game right now. Nebraska's offenses against FBS opponents. They had the, uh, the big game against Fordham, but I think we can kind of throw that out. Yeah. Um, against Michigan State, they scored 20 points. It was the 12th time under Frost that they've scored 20 points or fewer in a game. Is it, are, are the problems specifically tied to the offensive line, or do you see other issues, areas of concern with the offense right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, the offensive line um, is all, I think it's the main problem, no matter how, how which way you put it. Um, other than that, obviously, we've seen that Adrian's been great. Um, he's had the times where he missed throws, but he's he hasn't played this well since his freshman year, at least. Um, running back is another, you know, problem area. You can probably tie that to the offensive line as well. But also, we just don't know who the guy is going to be there or if there's there is a consistent option. Uh, Ramir Johnson got most of the carries against Michigan State. He did fine. Um, he, he might be the best option moving forward. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, that's something that will just develop throughout Big Ten play. Um, but 
they do need an answer there. The wide receiver group has been good. Um, you know, hopefully you want Oliver Martin back and making contributions. He had 100 yards in the first game of the season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's mainly the offensive line. If any issue ties back to the offensive line. Yeah, Nebraska's first 100-yard um, receiving game of the season came from a guy that hasn't played since. Right. And Nebraska's first 100-yard rushing game of the season came from a guy who hasn't played since. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy. And I don't know what's going on with Marquis Step. He just hasn't been able to get on the field. And it's not, I don't think it's injury related because he has, he had had a carry against, he has technically played. Yeah. Yeah. But he had a hundred yards against Fordham and then he just hasn't seen the field again. Um, Was it Fordham or was it Buffalo? It was one of those two games. He had a hundred. It was Fordham. Okay. He had a hundred yard game. Um, One thing, obviously you want to have shorter fields in college football to be able to score. Because if, if an offense, this is why everybody wants to find explosive plays, because if an offense has to string together a 10 play drive, the chance that you're going to score on that drive is small. Mm -hmm. And the chance that you're going to make a mistake on that drive, i.e. penalties that kill you turning the ball over is higher because you just have more you have to do to find the end zone. That's why everybody wants to find big plays so you can have like a four play 75 yard drive. That's what everybody wants. In that same vein, you want to have better starting field position. So that's where Nebraska's special teams has to help significantly. Nebraska's average starting field position was the 26-yard line against Michigan State. They lost the field position battle in that game, if you just look at average starting field position, despite the fact that the defense had five straight three and outs. It's incredible. Um, One area that I heard a lot of talk about this week was in punt return with Samori Toure, and, and it's not criticism of Toure because he had said he'd never been a punt returner before in his yeah. career. And then he was asked to do it against Michigan State kind of on the fly. And he's letting balls roll past him for, for additional yardage. And Frost has talked about that, some of that hidden yardage. you got to feel the punt if, if it's going to cost you in terms of field position. It's, it's crazy to me that Nebraska can't find a punt returner on its roster. It has 160 players on the roster. Is one of the biggest rosters in college football, and they can't find a punt returner. Um, kicking has been inconsistent. Punt game has been inconsistent. The only thing that they've been able to hang their hat on with special teams has been kickoffs with Brandon Frankie, who's been right. great. But yeah. everything else has been a disaster. So what do you, I guess, what do you, what do you think is going on with special teams? How would you assess kind of where they're at there and what you've heard from Frost? Yeah. As with everyone else, you know, I I don't know what to make of it. Obviously, you know, no, we don't have a punt returner. Haven't really had a, you know, good punt returner since J.D. Spielman was here. Um, and, you know, he wasn't a Frost guy. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if that's something that's been overlooked, you know, in Frost time is getting those punt returners in, guys that can make those plays. Because um, from what we've seen, we don't have that. Um same with the kickoffs. I mean, obviously we haven't had many kickoff returns, but it seems like more of them have just been disadvantaged, that they've been bad, you know, when we have taken the ball out, yeah. um, you know, but kicking, you know, obviously you got to ride with Colt because he was a big 10 kicker of the year last year, but I have no idea what's happening there either. Um, you know, he says it's just something that he's got to work through. So I guess I guess you still trust him there, and obviously he made his field goals last week, but it, it's very confusing for sure. Um, one note that I'd like to add on punt return: they, they've they've added guys to the roster 
through freshman classes. And when Frost has introduced those classes, he has specifically pointed out guys with punt return ability, guys that were punt returners for their high school. One guy who uh, was fairly effective at returning punts in high school was Jamie Nance, never got on the field and then transferred. I, I wonder how many of those guys are kind of floating around on the roster. It's just, it's just wild. It's one of those areas. And I don't mean to be, you know, super negative, but to hear Frost after the game say like Mike Dawson is coaching it as well as he knows how to do. And, and as well as I know how to ask him to do, that was a little alarming because yeah. that reads like, that reads like a coach. That's like, I don't, I don't know what to change to fix the results. And if you're at that point, like I'm a little worried. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can't, you can't not be, I mean, you don't, you don't need to have a great punt returner. Um, you don't need a guy that, that can take it, take a punt return to the house. Like JD Spielman was at times. Um, you just, I mean, you need a guy that can catch the ball and do, do the bare minimum. We haven't had that. And, you know, the punting has been off. Um, they've been alternating punters. I, that's fine. But like, yeah, I mean, that, that is alarming. Where are you at? overall with this program right now there's been a lot of talk this week since the michigan state loss about where they're trending mm-hmm. where this this staff is is kind of trending as we as we move toward the end of the season i think on 1620 this week um mm-hmm. someone said it, it might yeah i think it's time um to, to make a move I, I should be clear to make a move at the end of the season not to do it now if you are going to make a move it should be at the end of the season don't be like usc and fire clay held right. two games yeah. into the year um, where, where are you at with them? Where are you personally at with them? Do you see, do you see the signs of progress and growth? I mean, obviously they're clear on the defensive side of the ball, but that's still yeah. not winning them football games. Do you see signs of progress where it matters? Um, or, or do you kind of feel like they're just sort of spinning their wheels right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm more on like, probably the negative side, but like, I think I can very easily still be convinced because, you know, the two losses um, haven't been great. You know, you don't want to see them lose in that way, but it's been Oklahoma and Michigan State. That's two ranked teams. Um, Michigan State might be overranked, but like still, you know, but that you take that. Um, the defense has looked great. Um, the offenses look better. Um, and that's a relief. You know, Adrian looks, looks pretty good. The wide receiver talent is there at seems um, we'll see more of that as the season goes on but you know I, I can still be convinced that you know frost can get it done you know uh especially if they come out against northwestern and win by a couple scores i think that'd be good i don't i i don't think you want to have another close game against this northwestern team which has looked really bad um so you know i'm i'm not totally out yet but it doesn't i'm not i'm not positive you know yeah, you, you certainly can't have a bad showing against Northwestern. I, I think um, if they, if for some reason they lose to Northwestern, then people, I, you know, things are going to get wild around here real quick. Yeah, I, I think I think a loss to Northwestern would have me pretty much out on frost as I think it would have for a lot of people. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Northwestern is bad. Um, But Nebraska is in a situation where 
they have to win four of their next seven games to make a bowl game just to get to six and six on the season, four of their next seven to make a bowl game. If they do not win four of their next seven, then that will be four straight seasons under frost in which they have not gone to a bowl game and five straight years overall in which they, the program has not been to a bowl game, just a bowl game, just Mm -hmm. like the Meineke car care auto bowl Duke's Mayo bowl, like sun bowl, like just, just a bowl game bare level. Like, you looked bad, but you managed to get in. We're not talking about New Year's Six bowl games here. We're not even talking about decent bowl games. Just right. a bowl game. It's remarkable. So they got to win four of their next seven. That includes Northwestern. They've got Michigan. They've got Minnesota on the road, which Minnesota's weird because they lost to a 31-point underdog, but they also had a 30 to nothing blanking of Colorado. And they had a really good showing against Ohio state to open Um, Purdue, which is three and one. And (laughs) like, I think better than a lot of people think Um, they still have Ohio state and then at Wisconsin and then Iowa. And like, we could talk about Wisconsin being bad. I think they're bad. Nebraska hasn't beaten them in like eight years. Right. Do you see four wins on this remaining seven game schedule? I see. I definitely see four possible wins. Um, what are they? There, there's plenty of games. They, I think they can beat Purdue, maybe Purdue. I, I'm, I'm also still underrating Purdue a little bit. They, they can beat Minnesota. They can beat Northwestern. Oof. Okay. <laughs> and then it gets a little hard, but Wisconsin, I mean, Wisconsin looks bad. I, I think I would still pick Wisconsin in that game. Um, I'll say that I, I wouldn't pick Nebraska to get two, six wins right now, but I think it, it's within the realm of, you know, possibility. This is, this is the problem where, I mean, the math is working against them because if you look at games on the schedule that Nebraska has would, would maybe be favored in, or maybe it's a pick them or based on recent history, Nebraska should have a chance. That would be Northwestern Minnesota and Purdue. Mm-hmm. Frost is one and two against Northwestern. He's one and two against Minnesota. He's one and two against Purdue. Right. I, I don't think there's a game on this schedule where I'm like, Nebraska definitely will win this game. Um, Northwestern is well, Northwestern. Northwestern is the closest to that. But I honestly just like just given what Northwestern is and what Nebraska can be at times, I wouldn't be totally surprised if they lost that game. You know, I'll, so you, I'll still pick them to win. But, you know. Yeah. So you look at it and you say Nebraska has to beat Northwestern. They have to beat Minnesota and they have to beat Purdue. And then they have to win one of Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, and Wisconsin on the road. That's a tough, tough ask. Nebraska has won back-to-back games against Power 5 opponents one time under Frost. That was Illinois and Michigan State in 2018. It has only won back-to-back games, period, against any opponent four times, including Ford and Buffalo this year. So there's stretches of Minnesota and Bethune-Cookman, Illinois and Michigan State. Both of those were in 2018. And then Northern Illinois and Illinois in 2019. You know, like that's yeah, not... we, we both just shrug our shoulders. Yeah, like that's, you know, that's not great. Yeah, it kind of we're just at a weird place with this team, and I don't. You know, I'm I'm optimistic seeing what the defense has done. Yeah, and Pat Fitzgerald said it this week. That might be one of the best defensive performances he's seen in a long time. I mean. 
Michigan State didn't have a first down in the second half. Yeah. 14 yards on 15 plays, no first downs. It was remarkable. That is, that's good. That's really good. That should be, you know, Frost has has spent a ton of time talking about, we need to find something that's going to spark us. We need to find something that's going to give us a little bit of wind underneath our sails. That should be it, right? Yeah. Like that should have been the thing. Yeah. And And I think like my... I, I was uh, I've been surprised by like Nebraska's defense this year. Um, obviously, like, we knew they had experience. We knew they were going to be good, but I don't think I've, I expected them to be as good as they have been. Um, you know, I think I'm obviously there's probably like still room for improvement, but like not again, not allowing a first down and a half is is wild. Uh, what they did against Oklahoma is pretty great. Um, and yeah, I mean, this this is a real legit defense. And let me give you one more reason to be optimistic about Nebraska. Adrian Martinez, in terms of expected points added, second in the country. Yeah. Adrian Martinez, in terms of total QBR, this is an ESPN metric on a scale of 0 to 100, not to be confused with quarterback rating that you'll see in a box score. Adrian Martinez, 11th in the country, number one in the Big Ten. Mm Mm-hmm. He's been with, with a, a few mistakes here and there, and those mistakes continue to be at crucial times. He's been good. Yes. How do you assess him right now? Because like we just said, he's been good. Statistically, it backs that up. But he has the interception and overtime on third down. Yeah. There, there still seem to be some of those crucial errors, critical errors at at, at bad times how do you assess what you've seen from him so far yeah I, I think he's good and you know you can obviously those mistakes have come at crucial times but you know these these losses don't fall on him um and like that that fumble against Michigan State I don't know if it turned into anything but I, I don't remember but um that that fumble was pretty bad um where he was rolling out left I want to say and you know the defensive lineman was right there the whole time and he just swipe the ball right out of his hands. Um, you know, you, you can't do things like that. And there's a lot of things you want to see Adrian Martinez improve on, but I mean, he, he's been good and he's this defense and Adrian Martinez performance should be good enough. You know, in most cases, it would be good enough to be a bowl level team, you know? And so like the, the blame doesn't really fall on either of those on, on Adrian Martinez or the defense. Are we going to have happiness, Drake, over the last seven games of the season? Are we going to, this has been a sad. This has been a sad podcast. Are we going to have happiness over the last seven games? I have no idea. I, unfortunately, I cannot say so for sure. I need you to go out on a limb right here and give me a win prediction over these last seven. I need you to go out on a limb. I need happiness, Drake. I need some happiness. I need some some joy, some reason for optimism. You know. You're, you're really making me stretch here, but, um, you know, let's, let's give them a win over Wisconsin. Um, even if Wisconsin turns out to like actually, you know, be really bad and not turn around the season, you, you, a, a win over Wisconsin, especially on the road is, is something you could take a lot of, you know, you would love to see that. For sure. Certainly. Yeah. That would be Nebraska's first win over Wisconsin in a long time. Yeah. That's absolutely a, a sign of, of progress. Yeah. I ask you for optimism and you're like, man, I don't know what I can give you. (laughs) 
It's, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty hey, hard. That's where we're at. That's where we're at yeah. right now. That's fine. That's where we're at right now. Um, Michigan at night on ABC. That'll be a fun game. For sure. You know, we'll, I, we'll see if Cade McNamara is still Michigan's quarterback or if it's J.J. McCarthy at that point. That'll All be right. a fun game. Hopefully it doesn't end uh, the, the way the last Nebraska ABC game ended. Um, I don't think it will, but that would be bad. Yeah. There I go with, with the negative energy again. It's going to be, it's going to be great, Drake. Yeah. It's going to be great. Minnesota doesn't look good. They just right. lost to uh, Bowling Green. Some additional fun. optimism. I think, I think Nebraska can stay in um, a lot of these games. I don't know how many teams I see like blowing them out. Obviously Ohio state could be one of those. Um, but, and I don't, I don't know if Iowa blows them out, you know, just because even, even if I was really good, it's just like what we've seen over the past few years, it hasn't mattered that much. Um, I'm not saying it won't happen, but, you know, I think Nebraska is capable of being within like one score of most of the games left on the schedule. Yeah. The good thing is you look at the, the rest of the schedule and you see Ohio state, you know, may, maybe, maybe, right. yeah. Uh, Purdue or Michigan, I, you know, maybe, but the rest of the teams on the schedule have had real issues scoring real issues. They, they've been really offensively challenged Northwestern in particular, Minnesota has had problems. I guess just said, they just lost to Bowling Green. Um, Wisconsin's offense looks awful. They can't, they just look bad. They just look bad offensively. And, and same for Iowa. Yeah. Iowa's offense doesn't look great. Um, so you think about Nebraska's strengths as a team, you know, let's keep the possessions low. Let's play defensive football. You know, you can, I mean, you can, you can carve out a scenario where it happens. Um, certainly. And, and like the way that they played against Oklahoma is maybe the way people want them to play going forward, where it's, you know, eight possession game. You get eight yeah. possessions and, and our defense is going to, is going to, because the other area of growth for this team they they look like a Big Ten defense, for sure. You say? Yeah. Yes, definitely. And that's that's a a pretty big improvement from where they were three or four years ago when Frost took over. Right. And I think it's almost different um, from what we expected, like a good Nebraska defense under Frost to be, because you know we the talk was kind of like you know Chenander's defense is going to create turnovers and that's going to be most of the you know defensive success, but they. They haven't done that. Um, they've had a few turnovers, but like, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, nothing game changing, you know, that, that hasn't been the strength of this defense. It's been more, like you said, you know, not allowing a first down to Michigan state and just shutting down some of those things, which is um, surprising, but you know, you, you definitely obviously take that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild. And, and you're exactly right in saying like the way that we expected the defense to be, it has been sort of the exact opposite. I mean, they're not, they're not forcing turnovers, right. which is, which is remarkable considering the the brand of football that they try to play defensively. They just haven't been able to force turnovers. They're also middle of the pack in terms of third down defense. Yeah. Um, and if I remember correctly, defensive success rate is not elite they're just not giving up points. Like they're right. just, they're just finding ways to get off the field and not give up points. Um, it's been, yeah. it, it's been, it's been, um, it's been a, a fun kind of development, I would yeah. say. So For there you sure. go. Good job. Winning on some positive notes. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you got to get to class, man. So I'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Follow Drake on Twitter. Drake, what's your Twitter handle? 
Uh, just Drake Keeler, my, my name. K-E-E-L-E-R. Yep. Follow him on Twitter. Read his stuff on HailVarsity.com. Keep reading everything else on HailVarsity.com. And we'll be back next week. Hold Media Production.